Jesus, Lord, we love you. Yes, Jesus. From generation to generation, we'll give you praise. Yes, Father. The highest praise, the best praise from generation to generation, from age to age, we will praise you. that we get to praise and worship the King. He died for us. And He didn't just leave us behind. In fact, we get to partake of Him every single day. And something the Holy Spirit brought to mind today was from John chapter 4 where the the woman at the well I just love it when he, he Jesus says to this woman if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you give you living water. That's not the part I wanted to read, but... Jesus said to her, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never be thirsty again. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit flooding you with endless life. I just love that. When we drink from the living fountain, he floods us with his endless life. the fountain of the Holy Spirit within us. And I just love her response because she just says, let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again. And I just let that be our prayer tonight. Lord, we want to give us your living water so that we'll never thirst again. And not only that, but He said, my blood is true drink. My body is true food. So we get to receive him not just as water, but as the blood that washes us clean. He's full of life. He cleans us from inside out, and he heals us from head to toe. 
So I'd like to have everybody come up and get their communion. And Scott's got the wine and Tam Tammy's got the bread and Kara's got the juice. Yeah. <laughs> fascinating how Jesus gives us so many pictures of himself. He's our living water. He sustains us daily. Like in the physical, we need water daily. You can't go very long without water or it's going to be not a so great day. <laughs> so we need him every day. But he said, this is my body and it's true food. He's also the bread of life. We need, just like our physical bodies need bread daily, we need his body daily. And we get to come to his table. So Lord, we thank you that you took, you took the, the, the brokenness for us that we deserved You took that cross that we deserved. You were broken for us in our place. It was us that had sinned. It was us that did the wrongdoing. We deserved that punishment and you took it for us. And we thank you, Jesus, that not only did you take that, but your body became that healing for us. So we just thank you now. Let's take the breath. And he said, my blood is true drink. The blood that was his blood poured out for us on the cross. This is no ordinary blood. For many, many years, they sacrificed lambs, and it wasn't enough to pay the price. And he paid that perfect price for us. He was that unblemished lamb. So thank you, Jesus, that your blood paid for our sins. You atoned for us. You ripped the curtain in two. You're the perfect priest for us, and you gave us access again to the Father. Thank you, Jesus, that it's finished. Lord, you forgave us with so much. And so we we forgive anyone, Lord. Let's take a moment to think about anybody that might be coming to mind that we might need to forgive.
you, Jesus. We forgive those people. Let's take the blood. Thank you, Father. So now we're going to have Scott come up and share with us what God has put on his heart for for worship, right? Is that preach like there's a thousand people in the room. So whether there's two of you or a thousand, the word of God is, is just as valid. If I'm just in this room by myself, preaching to myself, I'll stand in front of a mirror and just preach until the cows come home. <laughs> so I, I felt like the theme of worship I mean, it's, it's kind of who I am. I should have probably been a worship leader. I should have learned how to play a guitar and, you know, get some vocal training. But God had other plans. But it doesn't matter whether you're an upfront guitar-playing worship leader. You and I as believers in Jesus have been called to lead worship. Lead yourself into worship. Because that's what you are. You're a worshiper. I'm a worshiper. That's our number one ministry. Our number one job as Christians is to worship the Lord. That's our number one ministry unto Him. So I'm going to file this under the identity series. <laughs> Worshippers. So far we had um, a kingdom of priests, or a priesthood of all believers. We had the new creation. We'll just keep adding to this over time, but, but we're worshipers. And as David was reading in John chapter four, the woman at the well, you know, she began to question him after he read her mail, after he kind of uncovered the fact that he knew that she had previous husbands. And she says, mm, I perceive you're a prophet. And she's like, let's change the subject really quick here. You Jews say to worship here, and the rest of us, non-Jews, we, we worship over here, but what say you, Jesus? And Jesus replies to her, there's, there's coming a time where worshipers will neither worship on this mountain or wherever. They're going to worship the Father in spirit and in truth because God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So we're just going to take a, a I'm not going to call it a deep dive, because you could probably take that verse all in itself and dive into the, the different aspects of what it means to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. But God is spirit, 
Holy Spirit. God is, a, God is spirit. And we, we worship him in his language, in the language of the spirit. So let's take a, a look at some scriptures here. First of all, we need to understand. Hey, oh, I'm not supposed to scare people when they walk in. It's good to see you. Our number one ministry, we got saved and we became instantly ministers of God. 1 Peter 2.9 says, you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings. If you're a Christian, then you're a priest. You don't need to call a priest to come do ministry to your family, although you know there's a place for calling the elders of the church to come together and, and anoint someone who needs prayer for healing. But you are qualified. You have been qualified, Ethan, to be a minister of the presence of God a minister, a priest, to minister the kingdom, the life of Jesus to people around you. From the day you said yes to Jesus until the day you take your very last breath, Isabel, you are a minister of the gospel to your friends, to your co-workers, to the people that come in contact with you in home goods. All of us as Christians, we are priests. So Romans 5.17 says, How much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus, the Messiah? So not only are you a priest, but you're a royal priest. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the King of all the universe. And we are now of his lineage. We are of his bloodline. We have been brought into his family, into his kingdom as sons and daughters of God. We've received the spirit of sonship, the spirit of adoption. And now we get a call, the same father of Jesus, we get a call out to him, Abba, Father. Jesus is our king, and we have been crowned with royal authority in his name and in his service. So that's pretty awesome. So you're a royal kingly priest. And if you weren't convinced, Revelation chapter 1, 5 through 6 says, Now to the one who constantly loves us and has loosed us from our sins by his, his own blood. Let's just get that clear tonight. You and I have been loosed from our sins. Sin no longer is your master. The sinful nature no longer has dominion over you. You have been set free through the blood of Jesus. You have been loosed. You have been loosed. Just imagine your foot caught in a snare and someone comes along and rescues you, letting that snare loose so that you can run free. You have been loosed from your sins by his own blood. Verse 6, And to the one who has appointed us as a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion, throughout the eternity of eternities. Amen. You should say amen to that. Amen. Awesome. Well, two of you agree. It's okay. You'll catch up someday. You'll get there. Right, Dad? You're getting there. Okay, he's nodding over there. Revelation 5, 9 through 10 says, And they were all singing this new song of praise to the Lamb. Because you were slaughtered for us, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. 
Your blood was the price paid to redeem us. You purchased us to bring us to God out of every tribe, language, people group, and nation. And you have chosen us to serve our God and formed us into a kingdom of priests who reign on the earth. You and I are a kingdom of priests called by Jesus, called by God, to rule and reign in life on this planet while we're alive now. Not just when we die and get to heaven do we get a rule and reign with Jesus. The Bible does say we will get to do that. You'll be, you'll be judging angels, the scripture tells us. But right here and now, you and I get to rule and reign in life. We get to take the dominion of Jesus and extend it into our own lives, into our own family, into our own sphere of influence. So that's pretty powerful. But what does that mean? So that's all kind of under the, the, the theme that you are a royal kingly priest. So back to the theme of worship. Our number one ministry as, as royal priests is to be worshipers, is to worship the Lord. So Romans 12, 1, and 1 through 2 says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? Just think about it for a second. Think about the price that was paid by Jesus on the cross. Think about the weight of the sins of the world that he carried within his own body while nailed to the tree. My sin, your sin, every darkest deed to the simplest little grandma sin. Sorry, I got to pick on someone in here. There's one grandma in the room. Grandmas, yes, they're sweet and they make wonderful cinnamon rolls. But even though those cinnamon rolls are sinfully delicious, grandma still has sin too. Grandma still needs her sins forgiven too. Without Jesus, grandma's going to hell. It's true. Apart from the cross, there is no forgiveness of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. If Jesus wouldn't have died for you, my son, my son, my daughter, if he wouldn't have died for you, you and I would be still lost in our sins. And it's not that God is a mean judge that could just overlook sins. He has to deal with sin. He has to punish it. He has to make amends with it. And so he took a sinless, spotless lamb, his one and only son, clothed him in human flesh, had him born of the Virgin Mary, lived a life of sinlessness for you and I, went to the cross as a spotless, sinless lamb and took on our sin and our shame while he was on the cross so that you and I could receive 100% complete forgiveness and a gift of righteousness by simply placing our faith in Jesus. We have become righteous through faith. It's not about works. It's not something that you could ever earn. It's not something you could ever deserve. It's a free gift, and all you and I have to do is receive. We put our faith in Jesus. We receive the gift. But it doesn't begin and end there. That's just the beginning of the journey. He has called us out of darkness, forgiven us of all of our sins, and he's called us into his light, into his kingdom of light, so that you and I can run with him 
in true righteousness, in true holiness, in true peace, in true joy, that we would be filled with the kingdom, the king's dominion. Let's keep looking at this scripture. I think it got a little off track. Oh yes, what should be our proper response to God's mercies? So in view of all that Jesus has done for us on the cross, the fact that he took all of your sin and shame and he carried it in his body on the cross, what should be our proper response? The answer is to surrender. Surrender all that we are. Surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. True, genuine worship is to give yourself to God on a daily basis as an offering, a living sacrifice. To start your day, to begin your afternoon, to, to go into the evening with, a, with a, a spirit within you, a heart within you that says, God, I'm yielded to you. I, I lean my life towards you. I surrender over and over because I want to be given to you in worship because that's who I am now. You died for me. I am now your worshiper for life. Stop imitating, this would be verse two, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This is what happens in worship. This isn't just about studying enough to where your brain starts to get renewed, although studying the Word of God is part of it. It's in the place of worship that, that the Spirit of God will interact with you in your spirit and renew your being. True, you spend time like a good student with the Bible open, with books open, studying, showing yourself as a workman approved who knows how to correctly handle the Bible. But there's a, there's a place of renewal in the Holy Spirit as we worship the Lord. And I'm not talking about just singing songs until you're in an outer body experience or something, that you're caught up into the throne room and that's where you're renewed. It's, it's engaging with the author of the book as you unfold the book, as you open it up and you meditate, you, you read, you declare what the word of God says. You begin to hear his voice. You begin to hear the rhema word, the, what the spirit of God is speaking. And it's the truth that begins to renew the way we think. So first part, the first verse is to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, to be worshipers, living sacrifices, and then to be transformed with the renewal of our minds. So again, it says, be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit with a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. You know, this probably was no accident that the pastor of the first church that I went to when I was a brand new baby Christian had me memorize Romans 12, 1 and 2 to recite it in front of a congregation of probably about 200 or 300 people and hopefully not mess it up. But that's what he wanted me to do. His name was Pastor Van, V-A-N, Chin Chin. White guy with a name like that. He wasn't, he's 
Sounds like a name that sounds very exotic, Van Chinchin. But anyway, that was his name. And that church gave me this Bible as my 21st birthday present because I had just gotten saved three months before my 21st birthday, thank God, because I was about to go dive into the world of 21 and over and, uh, you know, probably find all kinds of trouble in those places. The devil's playground is what I would call that now. But they gave me the word of God and he had me memorize that scripture. And I, I think that is probably my life verse. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. In view of the mercy of God over your life, offer yourself to him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. This is your true spiritual act of worship. And don't conform to the patterns of this world any longer. Like, don't go the way of the world, but be transformed, be metamorphosed by the renewing of your mind. And as you do that, you will be able to test and approve what God's perfect will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you want to know the will of God for your life, worship him and renew your thinking with the word. Be transformed by renewing your mind. We will get through this because we're going to worship some more. This is the, the treat for me at the end of this preach is we're going to worship some more. If you don't like to worship, I'm hoping you will, you will find your appetite increasing for worship tonight. Worship in the Spirit. So from now on, John 4, 24 through 25, from now on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with a right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who adore in the realm of the Spirit and in truth. So Father God desires you and I to worship him in the realm of spirit and truth. What does that mean? I'm going to just throw something a little bit fun out there tonight, um, and I'll explain uh, where I got this from. Sometimes you just need to get out of your mind. That might sound a little bit crazy, out of your mind. But sometimes our, our carnal mind, the, the natural mind, can be distracted. Sometimes the, the brain is so programmed to do things out of memory, out of discipline, right? Which is good. We need to do things out of discipline, and we need to remember to do things. But there's, a, there's another place of interacting with God, spirit to spirit. He desires worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, the scripture does say, Jesus said, to worship the Lord your God with all your heart, which would be your spirit, with all your mind and with all your strength. All three parts of who you are, spirit, soul, body. It's interesting that Jesus himself would mention spirit first or heart first because our worship is supposed to come from the inside out. We are to be led by the spirit from the inside out. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are broken up into three parts, spirit, soul, and body just as the Hebrew temple was broken up into three parts, holy of holies, the holy place, and the outer courts. We are to be led by the Spirit, led by the Spirit of God in, united with our spirit. And that's where we need to worship, learn how to worship God in spirit, to step in to the Spirit of God. 
Let's look at the scripture. I know I'm probably rambling a little bit. 2 Corinthians 5, and I'll, I'll give you a little backdrop on this. 2 Corinthians 5, 13 through 15 says, if we are out of our minds in a blissful divine ecstasy, some people pay money to get that way. I'm going to tell you tonight, I love it. Steve Backlund says this all the time. There is no high like the most high. Like, I've done substances in my previous life before Jesus, but there is nothing that compares with what I experience in his presence as I've learned to worship him and learned to go deep into worship with him. I don't get tired of it. I don't get bored. And this is not a condemnation, but I've, I, I'm telling you, I've, I've learned the secret. I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. I've, I've discovered the access in his presence to the tangible encounter of God in the place of worship. Let's look at the scripture. If we are out of our minds in a blissful divine ecstasy, <laughs> it is for God. It's for him. But if we are in our right minds, which hopefully I'm in my right mind right now, I think so, it's for your benefit. For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and holds us tightly because we are convinced that he has given his life for all of us. This means all, and you could say all if you want, all, all means all, all died with him so that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for him, the one who died for us and now lives again. See, this is the call. This is the call. He gave you a free gift of salvation. He took your sin upon himself, and all he said for you and I to do is to believe and receive. You're forgiven. But there is a journey. There is a life to live with God from that point to the, till you take your very last breath. It's described right here as a life poured out for him. A life poured out for him. A life that reckons itself as dead. Dead to my own desires, dead to my own, well, not I shouldn't say your desires because God gives you good, healthy desires. And he gives you dreams and things in life to pursue. But all of the desires that have nothing to do with God, that are apart from him, apart from living life with him, the things that are kind of like just the worldly pursuits, those are the things that he's asking us to, to just be, consider ourselves dead to those things and not living a self-absorbed life. I like that in the Passion Translation. Not living lives self-absorbed. Absorbed. Absorbed? You guys know what I'm saying. So I bring that up because today I was listening to, um, Tammy and I were both listening to, can you hand me my phone down there? We were listening to Dan McCollum. Dan McCollum, thank you, is a, is a prophet who is part of the school of the prophets that Bethel yearly does a, a conference with. And uh, I won't go into his whole history and background, but his message was so good. Where do I start? I'm not going to read his whole message. His message had to do with the importance of prophecy and why God desires for all of us to prophesy. You know, the scripture said, 
In the last days, the Lord says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. The, the, the point is, God wants all of us to prophesy. And so he had four points in his message about what, what the heart of God is for us to prophesy. Restoring dignity, revealing identity, refreshing and restoring, and releasing the new thing. It was all so good. I can't talk. Holy Spirit's got my tongue. No, it's just me stuttering. I could have just put the whole message on and, and sat back and enjoyed a preach myself tonight instead of preaching to you guys, but maybe we'll do that one of these nights. But down in his notes, there's this thing, and I think someone said it in prayer tonight about displacing, displacing things. This whole theme of getting out of our minds. He talked about displacing our thinking. So Jesus, we, we believe that Jesus is the answer, right? He's the answer to everything. Sometimes if we need to know the answer that Jesus is for a situation, we got to get out of our mind and in the spirit. We need to access truth in the spirit. We need to get a, a revelation, a download from God by the Holy Spirit. We talked about this last week about hearing the voice of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul describes that whole interaction of the Spirit of God. No one knows the thoughts of a person or of a man except for the Spirit of the man within them. Same with God. No one knows the thoughts of God except for the Holy Spirit who searches the deep things of God. And then he gives us that Old Testament scripture. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who believe. But he says, but we have the mind of Christ. See, we have the Holy Spirit living in us who searches the deep things of God, all of the secrets, the answers to everything that could ever be needed on this planet as a solution to a problem is in the heart and mind of God himself. And the Holy Spirit has that. And we can access that because we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ through the Holy Spirit in us. So the point is, there's a place of getting out of our, getting out of our minds. We gotta displace our normal thinking. He talked about George Washington Carver, who asked God, you know, show me the mysteries of the universe. And God, was, God spoke to him, he says like, you can't handle it. <laughs> Basically, that's my own words, but he's told you, you can't handle all of the mysteries of the universe. But I'm going to show you the mysteries of the peanut. And George Washington Carver got downloads from God. I don't remember how many things that could be used from the peanut, a little peanut brain that we have compared to the mind of God. And then the same with the sweet potato, inventions things that no one would have ever thought of because it came through divine revelation. It's amazing. God has the cure for cancer. He has the answer for every problem we could ever face. So what helps us? What can help us displace our thinking and access the mind of God? Worship. The number one thing he said in his message this morning was worship. He brought three other things. I'll mention them real quick worship and it confirmed to me what I felt God was speaking that there's there's something so important 
and necessary for all of us to get a hold of when we realize that is, it is in the place of worship that we can interact with God, that we can receive from God, that we are renewed in his presence. We behold him like a mirror face to face and we get transformed. We get metamorphosed. We get changed. Did I say it wrong? Metamorph metamorphosis? Okay. Okay. Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. Cinnamon. Okay. So displace our thinking. Worship. The environment of worship is an environment of displacement. Do you notice when you come into the, to this atmosphere and worship God together with your, your spiritual family that the stuff of the earth just kind of falls off? You get so enraptured in God's presence, so consumed with focusing on how good he is, declaring the truth about God, that the stuff that you came in with weighing on your mind just falls off. You're getting a displacement happening. Worship displaces your own natural carnal thinking, and it also displaces things in the spirit, which we'll get to by the end of this, because then we'll go right into worship, because we're going to displace some things in the spirit tonight. Answers come in the exchange between heaven and earth when we're worshiping. Answers come in the exchange between heaven and earth, earth to heaven. We are exchanging this natural realm with the, with the spiritual realm of heaven, and there is a transaction taking place as we worship God. He has given us the mind of Christ. As we love on the Lord, he delights over us. In fact, Zephaniah 3.17 says, I don't think I have it in the notes tonight, that he rejoices over us with joy. He sings over us. He sings over us, rejoices over us with singing. I could probably look it up and tell you exactly, but that's basically two different ways that it describes him. He, he rejoices and he sings over us. That's pretty wild to think that God delights over you and me. Like when you're singing to him and you're delighting yourself in the Lord, it makes him so happy. He, he loves to spend time with you and me. He loves to interact with us in that exchange of love and adoration. That's, I think, the, one of the biggest, coolest blessings of being a worshiper because it's fun when you realize that you get to just love on God and he's going to come and exchange with you his, and give you his love and pour revelation into your heart, give you ideas, transaction with you. That's awesome. He also said some things that will displace the mind, the carnal mind, is creation. Made me think of Tammy. I know we were kind of weirded out by the insect stuff over there, you know, the, the bug house, the reptile house that's uh, trying to come in. It's not my favorite hobby. I would never choose to be a boa constrictor owner or a tarantula owner. It's not my thing. Creepy crawlies, you know, I think they should be stomped. And, I mean, you know, but, or kept in a zoo, or, or kept in a zoo. I would not stomp a gardener snake, you know. They're there to eat the bugs. But I wouldn't want one as a pet because they smell weird, you know, it's just gross. But I was thinking about this young man, Christian. His name is Christian. There's something about his name. I have a feeling his parents are believers and they raised him with the knowledge of the word of God. I'm guessing, but I think it's the Holy Spirit. They, they raised him with the truth and he found delight in the created things because all creation testifies. Romans 1 tells us all of creation speaks to the fingerprints of God. 
even tarantulas, even scorpions. Oh, I hope they don't have scorpions over there. I'm definitely not taking the mail in all the way when they get packages. I'll just kind of put it in the door and push it in with my foot. <laughs> if I hear something, I'm going to run. So creation. Creation is designed to place us in an attitude of awe. Do you guys look at the, the stairways to heaven coming down tonight, the beams of light coming through the clouds around the sun? There's these beams. Do you ever look at the mountains around us and just think, my God, that's just beautiful? The sunsets, or whatever you could think of in creation, God designed this planet so that it would all testify of a creator, of a wonderful creative artist, the artist of all artists, who would make these things. We have this annoying bird seed feeder that's hanging from the upper deck in the backyard, and these birds are going nuts, and they're almost annoying, but they're so beautiful. They've been flitting past us. Hummingbirds were fighting right in front of us. It was just intense. It was like, a, like an airport gone crazy. <laughs> All of these little creatures testifying of a creator, of a God that made them all. So we've got creation. Then we've got relational collective synergy. Did you know that you don't have it all? Did you know I don't have it all? You get a part, you get a part, you get a part. And together, collectively, we can create a collaborative synergy. This is still part of Dan McCollum's stuff here. When the Holy Spirit gives you a download, it's a part to be brought together with the other parts. This is cool. They have created 20 years ago, and I don't remember what it's called, but it's, it's like a child finder prophetic ministry where they are working with the police department. They have, been, they have been accepted as a viable source of spiritual information. You know, they've, you've got the people that, what, what do you call those people that... Psychics, yeah. You've got the psychics that a lot of uh, detectives have leaned towards to, to get information from. But what, what Christian prophetic people have discovered is collectively they get together and pray and, and get a download, and then they compare collectively what they got. And if two or three bear witness to something, they take that and put it to the front of the information, and they submit that. So far this year, I think he said there have been 55 children underage children that have been rescued. 20 in a six-week period. I think it's awesome. So that speaks of relational collective synergy. That sounds kind of interesting wordage. AI can't do a new thing. Former things have come to pass. Creative thought in Jesus Christ. The testimony of two to three will establish a matter, and we have the mind of Christ. Then he talked about dreams and interpretation and the place of wonders. Back to the notes, though. Let's, let's be okay with getting out of our mind. Let worship in this place be an invitation for you to get out of your mind a little bit. Just let it all go. Just get over the crap that happened at work. Everyone here has got a job? I'm not meaning to look at anyone. I, I got stuff at my job, too, that I don't like. Let's just let, let go of the bad news, the, the stuff that annoys us, and let's come into that place of worship to give God pure worship from a heart that's right before him, not 
bogged down by all kinds of stuff. He cares about the things that you're concerned about. But what did Jesus say? Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and his kingdom and his righteousness, and he'll take care of the details. We don't need to worry about all the little stuff. He's at work. All right, let's move on. Worship in truth. Jesus explained, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father too. So if the room was filled with uh, potential non-believers, I would say we worship God in spirit and in truth. The truth is there is no other way to God except through Jesus Christ. We can't get to God through transcendental meditation. We don't get to him through yoga or through Buddhism or chanting or whatever. Whatever religious hoops you think you need to jump through to get to God. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. So we worship God in truth. What else is true besides John 14, 6? Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. So then we must have... No. So we must cling. Not have. So we must cling in faith to all we know to be true. We have a magnificent king priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us and now sympathizes with us in our frailty. That's good news. He knows your weaknesses. He knows the things that you struggle with. He understands humanity. For as a man, our magnificent king priest was tempted in every way, just as we are. That's almost hard to believe, but that's what the word of God says. And I would believe it because I know the enemy, the devil, wanted to take him out and get him to sin, but he couldn't. We have this magnificent king priest who was tempted in every way, just as we are, and conquered sin, or was without sin. So now we draw near freely. You and I get to draw near to God freely and boldly. It's free. You cannot do something to earn it. Freely and boldly to where grace is enthroned, to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace that we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. We urgently need grace, guys. We need grace to strengthen us in our weakness. God knows that we're just flesh, we're people, but he's put his Holy Spirit in us to release grace and power for us to live above, to rise above, to rule and reign in life. Thank you. Hebrews 4, 10 through 10. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be uh, 10 and 14. No, that's just first, I don't know. Let's just read it. By God's will, we have been purified and made holy once and for all. Just say once and for all. Once and for all. You're supposed to say it like there's a hundred people in the room. No, I'm once kidding. And for all. Yeah, yay, yay, yay. Clap, clap, clap. Cheer. By God's will, it was God's will that it was to be done this way. We would have, excuse me, by God's will, we have been purified and made holy once and for all through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus, the Messiah. It is done. You are clean. You are free from your sin. You have been declared holy and righteous. If you're not sure yet, oh, see, that's what happened. There was a second part. So it's 10 and 14. It's 
what happens when you don't thoroughly go back over all the slides. And by his one perfect sacrifice, he made us perfectly holy and complete for all time. So when we approach God, when we want to worship him in spirit, out of our minds, and in truth, we need to know what the truth is, that Jesus is the way and Jesus has already made opening for you and I, access for you and I to come to the Father. Because his blood is our one and only claim. As the old song says, just as I am without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me and you have bidst me to come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. I have no plea before God to come into his presence, and neither do you. We can't serve him enough, give to him enough, worship him enough, read enough to deserve to come into his presence if it wasn't for Jesus and the cross. That is the truth. That is the access point. Hebrews 10, 19 to 23. You guys doing okay? Better do a check-in real quick. Okay. Doing good, Liberty? He's doing good. I saw your eyebrows wiggle. That means yes, doing good. Hebrews 10, 19 to 23 says, And now we, our brothers, just say we. 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 We are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us to come into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm. That's a real place. God is welcoming you and I to step into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly and without hesitation. Like, don't wonder, don't question, oh, should I come? Did I do this my life? Am I, am I 100% okay? Am I, you know, do I need to do a bunch of stuff first? Do I need to clean my life up perfectly first? He just says, come boldly without hesitation, for he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. We come through the broken body of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the gate, I am the door. We get to enter in through him. He is the way and the truth and the life. So, oh, there's more to that scripture. And since we now have a magnificent high priest to welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart. See, God wants you to come to him and just don't try to hide it. Don't try to cover your heart. Don't, don't be like Adam and Eve and sow fig leaves and try to cover your nakedness. Come before God boldly, without hesitation, with your heart wide open. He knows what's in there. You can't hide it from him. So you might as well just open up the cupboards. Open up, swing open those doors so he can say, see, I knew that was there, but now, now that you opened it towards me, I can help you with it. I can help pull that stuff out. I can brush that off. I can break that off. I can release my fire and burn that right out of you. As you worship him, he's going to transform you with an unveiled face. You come boldly before him, and you're transformed from glory to glory. Oh, but what does the scripture say here? Where I lost my spot. Approach him with an open heart, fully convinced that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity. And we have been freed from an accusing conscience. Now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. 
This is truth that, I'll just speak for myself, this is truth that I need to renew my mind with. Like, I need to know this so deeply that I don't even question it. That I've been made clean inside and out. That I can come to God right now just as I am, because I'm clean. No accusing conscience. Nothing inside of me telling me, yeah, but you messed up. You know, there you shouldn't have laughed at that joke. You shouldn't have shared that on Instagram. <laughs> Tammy knows what I'm talking about. Okay, let's move on. Here's the, the final. We're going down the hill here, full blast, into what worship is. We worship God in spirit and in truth. We are his royal priests. We've been called to minister to him in worship. That's our number one ministry. We get to wage warfare with our worship. Notice that was all W's. We wage warfare with worship. <laughs> I don't know why it turned out that way. It's kind of weird, I thought. W, 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 W. Right, five W's. Can't say that very fast because it doesn't. I'll be speaking in tongues before you know it. This is awesome. Psalm 149, 6 through 9. I think we opened with this last week. Maybe it was Wednesday. God's high and holy praises fill their mouths. For their shouted praises are their weapons of war. I don't know how it works, but this is what God, this is what God's saying. Your words of worship, your shouted praises are weapons of war. These warring weapons will bring vengeance. Man, devil, you better run, because I'm about ready to shout. These warring weapons will bring vengeance on the nations and every resistant power to bind kings with chains and rulers with iron shackles. Praise-filled warriors will enforce the judgment decreed against their enemies. This is the honor he gives to all his godly lovers. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, we posted it a while back. I think I shared a Sean Foyt uh, post. He was holding his guitar like a weapon aimed at a city. He was up on a hill. I think he was in the Middle East somewhere. And he said something about this is how we fight our battles, maybe something like that. I posted that, and someone who's one of those you know, word-only people, they don't believe in, you know, they thought, well, you know, there's more to it than that. You know, it's, in other words, it's not just worship you know, that, we, that we warfare with that the Bible is the sword. It's true, but worship is a part of our warfare. What, what is coming out of our mouths when we're worshiping? It's the sword of the Spirit. We are singing and declaring the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. And as we, I mean, reading it in quiet, it might be good for you, but it doesn't really shift the atmosphere. In my opinion, I'll just say in my opinion. There comes a point where you have to let your tongue loose. Jesus, I've said this so many times, Jesus did not think his way out of the wilderness when the devil was tempting him. He declared the word of God to the face of the enemy. Man shall not live by bread alone. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And he spoke. And the devil was like, Ugh, I'm out of here. Ugh. Let's look at one more scripture. Is that the last one? Ooh, we made it to the very end of the scriptures. Isaiah 30, verse 32. This is so cool. Think about this tonight. As we finish off the evening with worship, think about this. 
every stroke, every pow, every slap, I could get really uncareful, careless with my words if I'm not careful, every slap <laughs> that the Lord lays on them with his punishing club will be to the music of timbrels and harps as he fights them in battle with the blows of his arm. That's awesome. God loves music because as, as the music's playing, he just gets into it. He starts beating that crud out of the enemy. The scripture says that God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of the trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Why well, I should have had that one. Did I have that one ready to go? We're going to worship if you guys are ready. Oh yeah, right here. We'll go out of that. Why don't you stand up? And then you can sit again whenever you feel like it. So whenever you feel like, I'm just saying, you know, you're free to sit back down while you're worshiping. You know, just as a side note, I spent 10 years in the four square denomination and we would worship with like exuberant hand clapping. And I mean, it was joyful. The place, I felt like I was like floating off the ground. It was just, I wanted to get people there who weren't Christians because I thought they're going to get saved. They're going to feel the presence of God. But they would worship like that, standing and clapping. And then they, they would, that was the praise. They would do praise and worship. And then during the worship, half the room would be sitting down in their chairs with their hands raised. It wasn't until another church where people got a little bit kind of almost like a religious attitude towards it. If the president of the United States was in the room, would just sit? No, you're going to stand for God the whole time. And we've seen it. You know, Kids, stand up. Get up. Get up. You're worshiping. <laughs> I'm joking a little bit, but you know, they're, they're, I'm just saying, you can worship God through dancing. You can raise up shouts of praise. I think there were seven things I looked at on my phone of expressions of worship. You can fall face down before the Lord in worship. You can twirl. I mean, the different Hebrew words for, for worship, it's like twirl, dance, you know, lift up a shout. Clap your hands. So what does the scripture say in Psalm 47? It says, clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. How awesome is the Lord Most High, the great King over all the earth. He subdued nations under us, people under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. God has ascended amid the shouts of joy. The Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is King of all the earth. Sing to Him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on His holy throne. Jesus, tonight we worship You. We rejoice in Your presence. We honor You as the one who is the name above all names. We glorify the name of Jesus. Lord, you saved us, not that we could just do whatever we want from that point on. You saved us to become your royal priests. You saved us to become your worshipers. You saved us that we would be ministers unto you so that you could do warfare on our behalf as we behold your glory and lift up high praises to you. So we worship you in this place and we take the rest of this evening to glorify your name. God, we say, would you come and displace the natural mind? Would you come and displace, would you shift us out of thinking stinkingly? 
stinking thinking, which, or even if it's not stinky thoughts, if it's just thoughts that don't line up with what you want to do, God, would you shift us into the spirit tonight? Would the roar of your presence, the roar of your waterfall, speak to the deepest parts of us? Deep calls out to deep in the roar of your waterfall. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and make a divine exchange that you would grab us by the spirit man, the spirit woman. You would pull us up into the throne room tonight as we worship you in Jesus' name. so much better than the rest. You are so much better than the rest. <laughs> you are so much better than the rest. So much better. You're so much better. You're so much better. Thank you, Jesus. You are incredible. You're amazing. You are powerful. You are mighty. You are awesome. You're amazing. You are brighter than the sun. We stand in your light. so much better than the rest. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We are your sons. We are your daughters. We are your children. We give you all the glory and praise. 
our hearts are filled with thanks and thanks and thanks and praise and praise and praise for you. This is all for you, Jesus.
more, I just felt impressed that we're stepping into the obedience of Christ, that we, as we pursue the obedience, as we step into the fear of God and we break off the, the fear of man and comparison, as we shake off condemnation, as we keep shedding light of the orphan spirit, I just see that the Lord is um, going to bring friends to this house. So as we step into our place as sons and daughters, and as we step into the fear of the Lord, which is the obedience, when he says something, we do it, whatever that is. And so I just see that for you, Judy, and Oscar, and Ethan, over each one of us here that the Lord wants to bring friends to this house. But Judy, that even the Lord was showing me that the Lord is bringing you those sturdy friends, those reliable relationships that are going to build you up too, that you're only encouraging word. You are going to get encouraging words too. And so I see that for you too, Oscar. And as we step into this awe of God training and we keep pursuing him where we haven't gone before, a level, an understanding that we haven't gone before, the Lord's going to take us in as his friends and he's going to bring friends to this house. Spirit, I just thank you for this revelation and this word that as we partner with you and what you are calling us to total surrender total abandonment that what you have called each one of us to we would hear clearly in the name of Jesus that our ears would be open to hear you and Lord I just break off all confusion where the enemy comes in to stir up strife and division. I just break that off right now in the name of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that from this day, we would hear you like we haven't heard you before, and you would tune our hearts and tune our eyes to you, Jesus, like never before, like never before, so that we're not just righteous like Lot, but we're friends like Abraham. And Lord, I thank you for the friends that you have for each one of us, for everyone listening, everyone listening to this podcast, that you would turn your heart to the obedient call to be a friend of Christ. And watch and see the Lord turn your relationships around in your families, in your houses, in your cities, and the Lord will bring you friends. So Lord, I just thank you for the communion that you are bringing in this season, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I feel like in this moment, Holy Spirit, 
is welcoming us and greeting us. Like a father, like, hey, it's so good to see you. You're back. I missed you so much. He's that kind of father. How have you been? How have you been? He wants to know how we're doing. And it's so easy to have those things in our lives where we're like, we've been trying to make something work or trying to get something fixed or trying to get through something. And even though we've, we've read the Bible and we've read lots of other books and listened to speakers, even in our best efforts, we just can't seem to get through or figure out this thing. I feel like in this moment, Holy Spirit's like, Hey, how are you doing? Come here, come sit by me. And we can take him that. It's like, it's like we come to him as a child. We can take him that, that Lego set. We couldn't get that one piece to fit just right. Or we take him that puzzle. That, like, I got a missing piece in here somewhere. Or I don't know. Or you're trying to model something or carve something. I don't want to mess this up. I'm too afraid. I'm too afraid to mess it up. And I feel like our Father God in heaven is like, come here. Oh, let's look at this together. He just wants to know, he wants to know how you're doing. Let's look at this together. Let's work side by side on this. Aha! Aha! Look over here. Look over here. His Holy Spirit guides us. His Holy Spirit speaks new tr truth into our life. His truth. Not new truth, but the truth. He speaks the truth into our lives. Thank you, Jesus. You have the solutions. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We can come to you with childlike heart, with all of our, our worries and concerns, and just come running to you and say, I need help with this. <laughs> or maybe I need to rest. I need a break. I just want to be with my, my Father in heaven. He just wants to be with you and you to be with him. So I, I'm sensing as you're saying that, aha, aha. We're being invited in, in this season. We're not gonna miss it. Holy Spirit is gonna lead us into that fear of God, into obedience. We're gonna be like Peter when he saw Jesus on the water, Lord, if this is you, command me to step out of the boat. Peter stepped out. And then he started fearing. What happened? Jesus reached out for him. Jesus didn't let him fall. Jesus pulled him up. So we're leaning into that risk. We don't know exactly how to do this, but we're hearing the Spirit say we need to come. 
and we're coming up with the Lord. He's gonna, He's reaching out. He's guiding us. We don't have to worry about, oh my gosh, we're gonna miss it. No. Lean in like a child. Don't worry about stumbling and falling. That's how we learn. And the Lord is there to catch us. He's reaching out. We're reaching out together. We're gonna do this together. Thank you, Lord. You Holy Spirit, that you invite us up to meet the Father and that we get to walk out this earth experience, this kingdom of heaven on earth, this total surrender and obedience. And we don't have to have the fear of making a mistake. And I just come against that right now in the name of Jesus. Spirit of fear be gone in Jesus' name. No more fear. No more fear. We come boldly, boldly to the throne of grace. Boldly, boldly. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are walking with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. Thank you, Lord, for your peace. Thank you, Lord. So good. So, so good. Well, I got a revelation. We're going to wrap up. But I got a revelation as David was just uh, speaking on behalf of the Father. It's pretty brave of you to do that. <laughs> just uh, that, that light-hearted voice of the Father. I'm glad you're here. Something clicked. Something shifted in my spirit about how I see the Father. I think there's, for some of us, there's a tendency that the Father um, begins to be a little scary and aloof, a little distant, and you're unsure about how he feels about you. And then I was reminded as David was saying that uh, the, the story of the good father, the prodigal son, and uh, Jesus, you know, he said, you've seen me, you've seen the father. Like, the father is just like Jesus. He's not different. He's just like Jesus. Jesus reflects his dad, reflects his father, like father, like son. So Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So we don't need to be afraid. Gentle, joyful Jesus, who has the smile on his face. Some people have painted pictures. The laughing Jesus, happy Jesus. He had joy without measure. So that's what the Father's like too. So that's good. That's good. I received that.